It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, August 27th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's COVID numbers are on the decline again, and in the last week, hospitalizations have leveled off. When the Unified Command met on Wednesday, Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Brule said Mount Edgecombe Hospital's coronavirus admissions had dropped significantly in the last 10 days. But that isn't the case in the rest of the state. As of yesterday, we didn't have anybody who uh, was COVID positive that was hospitalized. Um, But that, you know, it it ebbs and flows, but the numbers have been going down steadily. Uh, Unfortunately, can't say the same thing for the hospitals in the Anchorage area, which continue to be full, uh, which is a threat um, for us and for our patients because of the fact that, you know, many times we send our patients to Providence or Alaska Native Medical Center up there. Brule said Search has been sending some patients to Seattle when there hasn't been availability in Anchorage ICUs, and they're continuing to monitor the situation. The local decline in cases is good news for Sitka's schools, which are back in session this week. But Sitka's alert level remains high, and that means schools are in the strongest phases of their COVID mitigation plans. Sitka School District Superintendent Frank Hauser said while the school's mitigation plans are tied to the community's alert levels and shift to optional masking when the community is at low risk, he doesn't expect the alert level to shift to low anytime soon. Our plan looks down the road all the way to a future time when COVID cases drop to zero in a two-week period. However, any suggestion that because SSD has a plan for the future, it means that the future is imminent would be highly inaccurate and misleading in the same manner that planning for a trip does not mean you have already reached your destination. For now and the foreseeable future, remain solidly in our high alert level. Hauser said masks had not diminished the excitement of being back in school. He said the district's rapid testing program is up and running, with students participating in extracurricular activities testing weekly. Mount Edgecombe High School students are also returning from summer break and undergoing COVID testing and quarantine. Superintendent Janelle Van Oss said while the school detected a few COVID cases as students arrived, contact between students is minimal during the first two weeks back on campus, and they've been able to avoid viral spread. We have four, we currently have four positives on campus. And um, considering we've got almost 400 students, we're feeling like that's, that's pretty good. And if we can get through this next week, we will be on our way to a really successful year. Both schools use the city's alert level to help determine what safety measures to put in place. But how the city's alert level is determined may change next week. EMS Captain Rob Janik said the city is replacing the city's current COVID alert system with the state's COVID reporting model on September 1st. Blood Bank of Alaska said the blood shortage in the state was critical this month. Since then, donations have been coming in. But as Claire Strempel reports for KTOO, the group says it's still low on the life-saving fluid. The state's only blood distributor sent out an urgent plea for blood donations in August. Blood Bank of Alaska told potential donors there was a looming shortfall in the state's inventory of blood products. We've actually uh, still, you know, been able to supply Alaska's hospitals blood. Obviously, that's the number one concern and priority. Wes Dahlgren is in charge of collections for the nonprofit. He says donor response to the preemptive alert has been outstanding over the last two weeks. But he said the need was critical. 
Usually, the organization has a three- to five-day supply on hand, but they were down to less than a day's supply of certain blood types. Dahlgren says there's still a significant need for increased donations. Usually, he says Alaska can reach out to blood banks in the lower 48 if inventory falls short. Not lately. Uh, given the shortage around the country, that's not possible right now. We're, we're pretty much on our own. Kurt Bailey runs Bloodworks Northwest, a regional blood distribution center in Washington state that's distributed blood products to Alaska in the past. In our main storage facility, there are banks of refrigerators. And normally, one could walk into that refrigeration bank and be surrounded by shelves of, of blood. And now when one walks in, uh, they're mostly empty. Bailey says demand has increased nationwide for blood products. He attributes that in part to people who deferred surgery and other treatments during the first year of the pandemic who are seeking care now. And that's paired with a drop in blood donations. Mobile collections units are usually cramped quarters, so his group shut them down for the pandemic. The stocks of blood that all blood collectors like Bloodworks keeps um, for emergencies started to dwindle because we had to use that blood for patients who really needed it. And it's been very, very difficult to keep up. In his region, he says providers are limiting transfusions. Dahlgren at Blood Banks of Alaska says that's not happening in this state. You can give blood regardless of COVID-19 vaccination status. BBA is collecting blood donations at the State Fair in Palmer through next month. It will resume collections in Juneau on September 7th. For KTOO, I'm Claire Strempel in Juneau. A COVID-19 outbreak at a warehouse in Centralia, Washington, has led to shipping delays at grocery stores throughout southeast Alaska. Some shelves are nearly empty of basic goods, and they're not likely to be filled anytime soon. As Katie Anastas reports from Petersburg, it's just one of many industries and businesses experiencing supply shortages and delays more than a year into the pandemic. Walking down the aisles at the Trading Union grocery store in downtown Petersburg feels like traveling back in time to the start of the pandemic. There's no toilet paper. There's no milk. Customers have cleared granola bars off the shelves. The store's general manager, Barry Morrison, says they've gone six weeks without freight shipments, following a COVID outbreak at their supplier's warehouse in Centralia, Washington. First thing that stopped shipping out was dry goods. Those are typically your biggest orders and they're the bulk of, of all store orders. So you want to start limiting cases, you go strictly fresh. But it did impact our meat. They didn't ship it one week. Uh, when it, they missed our whole milk order, uh, you know, so it was a little rough. The supplier, United Natural Food Incorporated, sent trading unions some orders from their warehouses in Stockton, California, and Billings, Montana. That's helped, but Morrison says it adds two days of travel time. Still going to be six to eight weeks. So we're still limited. We could not order anything more than two cases of any particular product. Morrison says customers are still finding ways to support the trading union. But even backup supplies are running low. We've made sure since the pandemic started at the beginning that we have extra flour, extra mayonnaise, extra sugar. We have extra. We just have gone through most of that extra having six weeks of no freight. The grocery supply shortage is the most dramatic in Petersburg right now. But other businesses are dealing with their own shortages. Hello. How are you? How are you? Will Ware owns the Cedar Box on North Nordic Drive, which sells Alaska Native art and fishing supplies. He says he has more customers this summer compared to last year when the pandemic severely restricted tourism. 
This year, he says the biggest challenges are shipping delays and higher freight rates for supplies. I'll use an example like hangers for our slat boards on our wall. Um, we've just recently got those. We were waiting months for those, and we've just gotten them in. Even supplies like bags um, to, to put our products in. Um, it's been really difficult to get, get a steady supply in regularly. Down the street, Mark Kubo co-owns Firelight Gallery and Framing. The back of the shop is where the custom framing happens, mostly for local customers. We're still dealing with some back orders. Items have been back on back order for almost half a year now. Kubo says they found ways to save time on their own. Before the pandemic, the frame moldings would be cut by suppliers before getting shipped to Kubo's business. But during the course of the pandemic, uh, as we saw that shipping was becoming a problem and getting supplies could be a problem as well, we decided to uh, invest in what's called a chopper uh, so that we can chop things down to size. Having the chopper means he can process some orders in the shop from start to finish. Though he's been able to adapt, Kubo says the future is still uncertain as the Delta variant spreads. Neil Freed is an economist with the Alaska Department of Labor. He says on a national and international level, the pandemic's toll on supply chains is unprecedented. Supply chains can be studied very heavily um, in the future, something that we always took for granted in the past. A big piece that we took for granted, Freed says, is labor. Even when there's enough of a supply, a lack of workers can mean that supply stays put. Anytime there's a COVID outbreak at a warehouse like the one in Centralia, it puts the whole process on pause. Eventually, Freed says, things will work themselves out. When will that happen, though? Freed says, it's hard to say. You know, a year ago, I might have been brave enough to tell you, but um, now that we know that we are almost all wrong, I don't know. At the trading union, Morrison is putting backup supplies on grocery store shelves. At Firelight, Kubo is cutting his own frames. Whatever way businesses might buy themselves time, Freed says, patience and flexibility are key. In Petersburg, I'm Katie Anastas. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today. Friday, August 27th, 2021. Today, isolated rain showers in the morning, then rain in the afternoon. Highs in the upper 50s, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, windy, rain, rain may be heavy at times. Lows in the lower 50s, southeast winds 20 to 30 miles per hour, with gusts to around 45 miles per hour, decreasing to 15 to 20 miles per hour late. Tomorrow, rain in the morning, then numerous rain showers and slight chance of thunderstorms in the afternoon. Rain may be heavy at times in the morning. Highs in the mid-50s, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka.